How will decentralized artificial intelligence help humanity? Simone Giacomelli, the co-founder of SingularityNet, has some great ideas on how to combine AI and blockchain to create an open-source technology accessible to all. And did you think CryptoKitties went away? Well, they haven't, and they've spawned a legion of new collectible digital assets that could point the way to the future. Today, we've got Benny Zhang, co-founder of CryptoKitties, to tell us more. Travis is on the moon test driving new Lambos, and bad crypto correspondent Rachel Wolfson is in the house for discussions with these fascinating guests. It's just another day in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, and we're glad you're here for episode number 134 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. This is Brad Garlinghouse, CEO of Ripple. Keep listening to the Bad Crypto Podcast and stay bad. Welcome to Bad Crypto, badcryptopodcast.com. We're talking everything blockchain and the shit coins that you own. What news will get you wrecked? What coins are gonna moon? Just sit back and hold on, you'll get that Lambo soon. Bad Crypto, Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome back to the Bad Crypto Podcast. It's true, Mr. Travis Wright is on the moon test driving Lambos. Yeah, you gotta know, um... Which craters are best for driving those things around? Uh, he's not here today, but I'm Joel Com. I am here. And uh, fortunately, we have Rachel Wolfson that is on for the ride today. And she captured some great content at a recent blockchain conference in Berlin. And you're going to enjoy both of these interviews with uh, Benny Zhang of CryptoKitties uh, and Axiom Zen and uh, Simone from SingularityNet. You'll remember that in the past, we talked about Sophia the uh, humanoid robot that we had the opportunity to interview and the singularity net created her and so uh, simone is going to talk all about blockchaining and decentralizing artificial intelligence and, and how that helps so that everybody has access to these ai algorithms and services and agents and and uh, democratizing all that it's really fascinating stuff. You're going to like it. I've also got the winner for two tickets to World Crypticon, which takes place in Las Wages at the Aria Hotel, October 31st through November 2nd. I'll be announcing those after the interviews today. We appreciate you guys. And if you haven't taken a moment to subscribe and review, please do that. It's more important then you know. And uh, there's some of you that you've heard me ask a zillion times and you still haven't do it, done it. Today's the day. Today is your day to subscribe and to review. So wherever you listen, uh, we are now over 4 million downloads of the Bad Crypto Podcast and heard all around the globe, except in places that we're not. And uh, we're, we're grateful that you have kept us in the top 50 of the business category and iTunes. So as I said, Rachel Wilson's going to bring us some great content, and without any hesitation, let's get into it. Take it away, Rachel. Okay. Hey, everyone. It's Rachel Wolfson, and I'm here reporting at Block Show in Berlin, and I'm here with a very special guest. He's the co-founder of CryptoKitties, 
And I'd just like to welcome Benny Yang. Yeah, thanks so much, Rachel, for having me on the show. It's uh, been super exciting, super hot here in Berlin. I was on an 18-hour flight and I went straight into the panel and uh, there was a lot of interesting things shared there. So happy to kind of dig deeper here in this podcast and talk a little bit more about the backstory of CryptoKitties and some of the cool things that we're working on. Yeah, awesome. Well, how about you start by telling our listeners what CryptoKitties is and how the idea came about and why you wanted to, you know, do this blockchain game with kitties? Well, actually, it's a team. Our team came from a uh, parent company. Uh, our parent company is called Axiom Zen. So Axiom Zen is a venture studio. Essentially, it's like a startup that built startups. And for five years, it's been running without any VC funding. It's just self-funded. So what we've done is worked with Fortune 500 companies to build ventures together or build products together. And then we take the revenue and then we build our own companies, our own startups, and then we spin them out. So uh, we spun out two companies already. One's called Zenhub, one's called Routific. And these are traditionally B2B SaaS. So uh, at, at heart, I mean, we are product people, UX people, uh, and we're really chasing the startup dream. And about uh, last summer, similar time period here, we really wanted to explore smart contracts. Uh, one of the now our chief uh, architect, uh, Dieter, he mined Bitcoin early on. And he's always been pestering the product team of like, hey, we should do something in the crypto space. And we're like, no, no, no. we want to do a traditional SaaS B2B because it's exciting. We want to get into Y Combinator and build startups, right? And a few of us were really interested in Ethereum since it launched in, in 2015. So um, we kind of went to a room. We, we called this kind of experimental area the jungle. We were just thinking of some concepts and we were like, hey, you know, cats kind of own the internet. And, you know, could cats own the blockchain too? Like, could, how can we put cats on the blockchain? And it really stemmed from this idea of the early crypto collectibles. So there was Rare Pepe, Spells of Genesis, uh, and uh, CryptoPunks. And they were kind of the first generations for crypto collectibles. It was experimenting with what if you owned art and that was collectible on the blockchain. And so we were like, okay, how can we take that one step further with cats? And so we spent a few months actually running genetic simulations. Uh, we were building, th these cats have DNA, right? So just like humans, we have a dominant and a recessive trait. Like you have, you have green eyes or bluish green eyes. Maybe in your DNA, you have brown eyes from your grandparents or something like that. Uh, that's how complex these kitties are as well. So when you breed two kitties together, you may get like a, a blue and a red one gets a purple one. Uh, and so we ran a lot of simulations to get it up to 4 billion variations. So there's a lot of variations. And then, um, you know, that's how that was kind of the early stages of building CryptoKitties. But really, it was an experiment because we were building other products before. And we we're just, hey, let's just like see what we could do with this kitties, kitty game, CryptoKitties. And it just blew up, right? It was an internet sensation. It went on all publications, uh, CNN, BBC, Forbes, and a bunch of publications. And uh, I think the world was kind of looking towards something that was consumer friendly, right? If we were to look back one year, the three headlines that were in the news were the price of Bitcoin, the ICOs that are happening, and then the hacks and scams that, that happened. And that was consuming all most of the, the headlines. So for us, it's like we didn't do an ICO at all. We built a sustainable business. We were profitable within the first three weeks of launching this game. 
And so we did a lot of things that, to prove to the rest of the crypto community that you can build a sustainable business and you can put UX and product focus first rather than just creating a token. And people don't know, like it's like 15 lines of code to, to create a token and then you can do an ICO. Most of it's marketing, really. So um, for us, it's like we do more coding and then we do less marketing and then it kind of worked out the way it did. Uh, and a lot of people appreciate it because this is what they needed to showcase that blockchain is more than the shilling, the pumps and dumps that are happening in the market. Uh, it could actually be something that your mom and your dad could actually play with and then learn about the blockchain. Right. And also in terms of cryptocurrency, I feel like gamers really understand crypto. And I think that having crypto kitties out there really helps people understand crypto, right? Would you agree with me? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, gamers, since the first games that were created in like the 70s and 80s, uh, it introduced this concept of virtual coins, right? So you know, back in the day, there was fiat, but then there's like, hey, let's play this game. We need this type of economy to work. We need this trading to work. Let's just create some virtual coin in this game. So then players can engage with gameplay more. And that really just continued to grow as games started getting bigger and bigger. And then you have this whole free-to-play mobile where um, the whole thing is like virtual currency stacked on virtual currencies with virtual items. And all of it is trying to, you know, monetize the free-to-play players, right? So, you know, gamers since the early days have been familiar with the concept. What really kind of transitioned what, what the trend we're seeing is that you see gamers who made money from digital items or digital currency, such as World of Warcraft gold mining, right? Or Diablo, the auction house where people were selling items and making money. Those people, you know, from our players that play CryptoKitties and from just meeting people in the industry are the ones who actually understood that something clicked in their head like, hey, this digital thing actually made me money and I could buy a car now uh, or I could, you know, pay for my mom and dad's vacation. Like that's kind of weird. But once they've crossed over that barrier, then when Bitcoin came, it was just a logical, con logical conclusion. It's like, okay, this makes sense. Right. And so what is the value of the most you know, valuable kitty? What is it sold for? What's its value? So yeah, two weeks ago, we were in New York City for the Ethereal Summit with the Codex Protocol. And uh, we had uh, a Christie's auctioneer uh, auction one of our kitties. It was an exclusive kitty called the Celestial Cyber Dimension Kitty. And we actually built a hardware wallet to hold this kitty. And we sold it for $140,000 USD. And all of it went to charity. And we've done a lot of initiatives. We actually helped, I think, Bella, who's a 10-year-old in Seattle. She used the kitties to raise about, I think, $15,000 for the Seattle Children's Hospital. So this is not the first time. And there is also Nick Johnson, who's from the Ethereum Foundation. Early on, he found a really big bug in our game and we gave him an exclusive cat. And then he sold the cat for $90,000 and he, he actually bought a bunch of cows in Africa for a bunch of farms. And now that's to us is super exciting because it's like people are using these digital things to help the world make it better, like supporting artists, supporting children's hospitals, supporting farms. And we only see that getting bigger and bigger as uh, people are starting to realize that, hey, this digital thing is as real as a physical thing and I could help other people or I could uh, hold it and, and you know keep it for my children type of thing. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, 
90, what was it, 190,000? Oh, no, 90,015, and then this one was 140. Yeah, those are expensive cats, but it's good to know that they're being used for good. And I think that's really, you know, that's really valuable. And that says a lot about the, the, the power of crypto kitties. So that's really interesting. Maybe let's talk a little bit about what is the biggest problem with blockchain games? So, you know, being CryptoKitties and having the, the, the largest player base, it's been interesting to see the data. One of the biggest problems is conversion. So we get tons and tons of interest, right? Organic and from press and people just want to see what CryptoKitties is or want to play CryptoKitties. And we turn around and we give them like a 12-page manual, right? To like, okay, now go to Coinbase, create an account, buy some crypto, download MetaMask, send your money over here, which you don't even know what MetaMask is. It's some fox. It's kind of weird. And then you can play CryptoKitties, right? And so we see that conversion funnel getting really, really, really small uh, because we're we losing all the moms and the dads and, 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 and the nephews. And, and they're just like, what is going on, right? Like, I don't trust this Chrome extension. Like, not a lot of people use Chrome extensions or Firefox extensions to hold thousands of dollars, right? People aren't familiar with this concept. They're familiar with money being held at a bank or, you know, some of the more savvy crypto people in a hardware wallet or software wallet. So a Chrome extension is a little bit iffy. So this is the biggest problem, actually, is the UX. And as this blockchain gaming industry is getting bigger and bigger, you're getting a lot of players in different different sections, different niches. And you, you get people from one camp where they say, hey, building a blockchain game is really hard. Building smart contracts is difficult. Uh, that's the hardest part right now for blockchain games. Mm-hmm. We kind of sit on the other camp of like, building a blockchain game is not that difficult. It's challenging. Uh, there are things that you must do for a smart contract. You can, you ha- and for smart contracts, you have to make it perfect. You need to have a bounty. You need to have people hack your smart contracts. So then when, you know, when shit hits the fan, you know, that millions of dollars aren't lost or thousands of dollars aren't, aren't lost. Right? And we've seen this happen. So building smart contracts are challenging, but it's not the most difficult part. The most difficult part, if you see all these blockchain games that are coming out now, they're subjecting all of these new users to this 12, 12 page manual and they think it's normal. And for us, we always question everything because we come from a startup background. We're like, why is this the case? Why do you need to do it this way? Why, why can't you just put a credit card and then get a kitty? Type of thing, and so uh, part of uh, part of kind of raising our funding to, for twelve point six million with uh, Union Square Ventures and Andreessen as the lead investors and a bunch of uh, great angels was to really focus on solving the UX problem, and that's something that we that's kind of where we're going towards is right. the UX is a huge problem. So right now, just to understand, I don't I don't own a crypto kitty. Of course, I would love to own a crypto kitty, but I don't as of now. What how how do people own these kitties? Like, what's the process now to own the kitty? So, yeah, you go through this 12-page manual. Okay. Where you... Is that the white cri- paper? Well, no. no. Oh. <laughs> we have a white paper, but it's like two pages, and it's okay. it's really like a funny paper. Got it. Uh, but uh, you need to have crypto. If, you've, if you have Ether right now, then you're, you're kind of good. Then you need to download MetaMask on your computer, uh, which is a Chrome extension. And then you need to send that Ether to this wallet address, and then go to CryptoKitties.co, 
and then go to the marketplace and then buy a kitty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you first go to the marketplace, you're going to be confused because you're just gonna be like, which kitty should I buy? There's over 750,000 kitties. Right oh my now. gosh. So you, you're going to have the same question of like, what do I pick? And it's like, if you imagine you went to Amazon and Amazon just like showed you like millions of items, like, Hey, pick, pick whatever you want. And you would probably feel like, I don't know what to buy. Uh, and so there's definitely some optimizations that we need to do where it's curated, right? Like, Hey, this is a kitty that maybe you would like, or, and that's going to just come from, uh, optimizing the site. But right now it's literally like, uh, nine kitties on a page. And there's like so many, like hundreds of pages that, equal of around 750,000 cats. So is the value for the cats listed? I mean, how are these cats valued? And So that? it's a marketplace. Uh-huh. People just list the price that they feel that the market would pay. Got it. Okay. And then you said something interesting today during our panel, and also I think you touched on it in this interview. You said that now you can put digital assets on top of digital assets, like you can give the cats hats, or is that something new that you've just added? Or- well, not we didn't add. It was uh-huh. a developer, uh, third-party developer who built uh, Kitty Hats, which is an extension that allows you to put hats and really cool accessories on your kitties. And these accessories are tokens, so okay. it's a item that's stacked with tokens, uh, and that equates to the full uh, digital asset, right? So it's really like this table, but then if this table, we put a Rolex watch on it, then this table and this Rolex watch would be combined together to have a higher price, right? So that's kind of a very new thing. And the a lot of the blockchain games are thinking about this extensibility concept of what if we could remix your game, or what if we build like gaming experiences on the side but then you have these people like what if we decorate your kitties right uh and that's very very interesting yeah i mean it's it's like real life you know you see people with cats now and they're walking around with hats and just in san francisco i'm just (laughs) kidding (laughs) cool so let's see and in terms of gamers i mean what are the benefits that having you know for gamers playing crypto kitties what are the benefits like is it they really own these assets or in privacy, what are the main benefits? Present day, if you were to go up to a gamer and you were to tell him or her, hey, play a blockchain game, the conversation that you will have is that they would say, hell no, uh, because they would say that a blockchain game looks easier than a normal game. And the second thing is none of their friends are playing it and they're very slow. They lag a lot and lagging meaning waiting for your transactions to process. And depending on what blockchain you pick, it, sometimes it takes a long, long time. So we've noticed this, right? We've tried to get in touch with Twitch streamers and gaming influencers and hey, play CryptoKitties. And then they're just like, I kind of get the digital currency aspect, but your game's kind of boring. And we're like, yeah, like we're working on it, but there are certainly going to be a different evolutions of this, right? Uh, and as I said before, once you own the kitty, it's just a matter of technology getting better that will enable this kitty to slowly become more and more realistic, right? So if you think about it, when Pokemon Red came out, Pikachu was like an 8-bit thing, right? It didn't look that cool. It didn't look that cute. It just looked like an 8-bit little thing moving around. And then as you see Pokemon evolve to Pokemon Go and all these Pokemon movies, you get to see more definitions of Pikachu, right? And so what I've been trying to tell people is like, hey, 
Kitty looks like 2D right now, but we've already started to see people trying to animate it to, to move it forward to 3D. And as technology gets better, it's not going to remain as its current state as like an 8-bit or just a 2D image. It will become more and more. Maybe it will become one day your real kitty in the virtual world, right? Mm-hmm. And you bought this kitty way back when. It's a kitty that will never die, uh, which is a good thing. Yeah, of course. That is a good thing. Great. So are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners? Yeah. So one of the thoughts that I've been having, and I'll explore this more at our London meetup on Wednesday, uh, it's probably passed by the time this is post, but uh, one of the things that we want to do is focus on diversity, meaning um, you know what we've seen from our player base is 85% male and 15% female. Uh, and I was in San Francisco at an Ethereum meetup at Google, and I was doing a talk and I counted half the room and it was, again, 85% male, 15% female. So for us, it's, it's very important that diversity uh, and inclusion is accounted for. So the two biggest things for us has always been about education and mainstream adoption. Uh, we don't typically like to talk about price or show off, oh, we, we made all this money or, you know, none of us drive Lambos or whatever, right? For us, we're really product focused and we, we see the bigger goal as onboarding the first billion consumers to the blockchain. And we see that solution being a combination of amazing experiences that have great UX experiences that allow for the moms and dads to just come in and play a game and they don't really know the difference between a gaming, a regular game and a blockchain game. But then what they do know is that the things that they do in these games are permanent and they own it. Uh, and as technology gets better, like VR and AR, they could start to see the, the benefits of blockchain when you're buying these items. So for us, the biggest mission here is for people who are in the crypto space, um, no matter if you're in the fintech and in, in the investment side or you're in the gaming space, uh, we should all be working together in terms of educating more people and teaching them the right things about this technology and why it's super impactful. Uh, and that's really the biggest goal for us. Yeah. And I think that having crypto kitties out there, it, it really makes blockchain fun. You know, and it makes people want to use cryptocurrency and want to take advantage of blockchain technology because the cats are so cute and it's a game. And I think that it's really going to help drive adoption for this, for blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Well, thank you, Benny. Um, by the way, before we sign off, I just want you to tell our listeners to stay bad. Stay bad. Great. Thanks. So I'm here with Simone. He's the co-founder of SingularityNet.io, and we are here together at Block Show in Berlin, and we are going to talk a bit about SingularityNet.io and what they're doing to decentralize AI. Simone? Greetings. Greetings, everyone, and thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a, a great day here in Berlin, and I'm very connected and excited to share some uh, of what we've been working on in the past few months. Wonderful. And Simone, can you just tell everyone your last name? Because I have trouble pronouncing uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I think it's, it's, I like the way it sounded, but it's uh, Simone Giacomelli. Got it. And uh, yeah, I think you're doing just fine. With Thank the, you, Simone. Uh, with that pronunciation. And uh, yeah, so we, it has been a, an interesting journey. Uh, we founded SingularityNet later on. Uh, last year, we had the major uh, token generation event at the end of uh, December that was quite successful. 
And really the singularity in a team come at the intersection between, you know, artificial general intelligence, well, one of the you know, co-founder and CEO, it's Ben Gertels that, you know, has the background in researching artificial general intelligence for, for quite a long time. And, and along that, we brought on board a full team that is building, you know, a platform that allows any individual, any data scientist to render, describe and deploy artificial intelligence at scale. And so... The way that we're doing this, actually, we're, as a mantra, we develop this, this idea of incremental decentralization. So in order to arrive to that point, we're building a platform uh, that allows anybody to, to describe, render, and deploy those, those services online. And we do that by abstracting the current centralized cloud provider platform. So it's you know Google Cloud, AWS, Bluemix, Tencent, and so forth. And um, yes, we've been... Uh, so that, that's a little bit of, of, of what we were working on. Even more exciting than building some technology, we've been experiencing firsthand the formation of this greater industry of AI and blockchain, uh, which now counts more than 40 or 50 players from all around the world. Just an incredible amount of talent and resources coming together to build in the different blocks. And it's been quite fascinating not only to be some of the first one in the space, but also to then lead this formation of this greater ecosystem. And that's um, something that I've never experienced before in, in the tech space. So it's, it's been quite fascinating to, to watch. Right. So maybe how would you actually, like, what do you mean when you say decentralized AI? I mean, is it something that you can just do overnight or, I mean, what's involved with that? Right. So I think, you know, and, and this is sort of like lately, there has been a lot of sort of AI and blockchain related projects. So, People are quite confused and I mean, how does that fits together? And I think generally when we refer to um, AI, we, we, we can, on a computing standpoint, I mean, there are three fundamental pieces. I mean, there's the, the data point, the computing, so the computational power, and then the algorithm piece. So today, some, some of the most important provider in the space and some of the largest tech company in the world and then highly centralized. So most of the computing Almost all of the computing happened in the cloud. The data are stored in the cloud, so centralized very well, very much. And then some of these efforts are open source yet, but the, 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 the ability to contribute to that code base, it's not there. And so as opposed to that, there is, you know, of course, open source AI. And so when AI meets blockchain, it's really creating this new sector, uh, which I call the open source sector, uh, that brings these two um, technology together uh, and allows, you know, new fascinating way, not only on building companies, but building incentive mechanism um, and uh, network, economical and, and, te and technological network that have uh, not been seen before. And I think that's why we're, you know, basically experiencing such a, of, um, you know, new wave of company coming out of the water, leveraging a lot of the research that has been done over the past year and putting together those, those two technologies. Now, I think there are three major opportunities to bring these two technologies together. So on one hand, a singularity net, we're using blockchain into the context of AI to identify AI agents that are developed by, you know, open source developer around the world and then creating an identity so that without necessarily, you know, doing the KYC part, then we can track the reputations of the system and curate the marketplace of AI algorithms, similarly to what a company, a centralized company would do to, you know, an app store. Uh, so the, the Android or the iOS app store. So we do that in a decentralized fashion. And that's where, you know, some of the concept of the curation market and the staking component or the economic fabric 
are there just to make sure that we incentivize the development of good AI versus um, AI that doesn't work. So, so that's that's the first piece. And then, of course, we use blockchain to be able to transact those different AI transaction at scale without using you know fiat payment, and that allows you know open innovation to form and an easy way to to generate a payment. And that's why we also launched our own token. Um, it's called the AGI. That stands for Artificial General Intelligence. That is a token that allows you to purchase you know utility token that allows you to purchase AI power on the network. So that that's one part. So that's how you know blockchain can support AI systems. Um, then how does AI support blockchain-based economy or what we what I refer to open access network? I mean, is it so? So I think there is a, an overall problem that it's not been solved yet into the current you know blockchain scene, which is a, a generalized problem called the problem of assignment of credit, that actually applies to cognition as well as it does in economies. And so the, the, the overall problem is the following. It's when an overall system performs something good, how do you go back and reward all the different parts that have contributed to this greater good? And so, I mean, uh, the absence of a right mechanism to do so uh, generates, you know, the, the, what we call the free riders or the spoofer of the system. And so we see this in the context of a lot of this decentralized organizations such as Steemit, where most of the value does not actually go to the, you know, content generator people, but sometimes, you know, there are some bot, sometimes there are um, some uh, you know, fake news that are generated. So those bots are actually getting all the value for it. What's the value though I'm of Steemit? Like what is the value? If you contribute, what is it again? Well, so there are some Steam rewards that are staked on a daily basis and there are rewards back to the user. And so I think having AI augmented system that can actually quantify their different reputation and staking of the people and then can go about solving the assignment of pre- of credits it, it you know it's it's definitely something that will be key for actually those open access network to become mainstream mm-hmm. so that's an interesting application of ai into existing blockchain systems and we're working we have a lab Instead of singularity, we recently announced a lab, an R&D lab uh, led by 10 different PhDs that have worked over the last two decades in building an incredibly sophisticated AI structure and now applying this in the context of blockchain. Mm -hmm. So we have a a consortium of different other companies that are deploying resources in collaboration with us and our talents to make sure that we can design those systems. And matter of fact, we're working on a reputation systems. Uh, if you guys want to check it out, you can go to our blog and you know, see all the documentation and, and contribute to that. And then the third piece is really the, the economic incentives, right? So we've seen how blockchain helps AI and how AI helps blockchain. But then, you know, um, I think being able to create a set of incentive mechanism that can create this economic forcing function they can allow some of the brightest people to now come and work for the space rather than working for the tech giants. I think it's the third co- piece of the puzzle that makes this industry quite compelling and the different overlaps. So and what are those incentives? Your token? Or- well, for example, the Singularity Net's worth noticing that we have more than 20% of the, to- the total token supply will be destined over the years to the support and the development of AI um, algorithms, capabilities, and infrastructure. And those are an open reward pool for really anybody in the world to come and you know contribute to the different to the overall goal and provide value into the marketplace and the platform and be rewarded directly uh, with this um, essentially monetary uh, system that we design. And so, when they earn those rewards, what exactly can they do with them again? Well, so they so say that they design um, you know a valuable uh, algorithm that performs uh, analytics on you know 
uh, a social network similar to Steam. Okay. And then if the community is using that algorithm a lot, then they can just access uh, payment uh, from the foundation itself as a recognition of the work done into the form of a GI token, which is essentially it's you know an asset that they can then use to either build even more AI, AI on the platform or then exchange it for other uh, assets class as, as, as needed. Right. And so I think the, those, um, those new way of generating um, and distributing value in the economy are quite compel- compelling. And so that's the way that you will see some of the smarter data scientists now being able to make just as much money that they would make a tech giant or even more. Right. While at the same time being able to express their their quest for through innovation rather than either selling products to people or you know performing some civilian function for these big tech giants right that's quite major right it allows them to be creative and do their own thing because it's all on the blockchain and they get rewarded and and paid essentially absolutely and um yeah yeah And, and so i think that's uh that's how we're going to see a lot of new talents coming into the space mm-hmm. and help developing some of those visionaries um, architecture. Huh? Yeah. And so we're, we're quite grateful at Singularity now to have more than uh, 10 PhDs actually working wow. full time at, uh, at our labs and uh, in, the, in the AI team. So. And, and for those listeners who don't know or they haven't heard of Singularity Net, can you just explain, I mean, I know of the robot Sophia oh, because yes. she's been making headlines. Yeah. Um, but can you just kind of explain oh, sure. what you guys do? Absolutely. So I think the um, formation of singularity uh, idea and, and then consequently design and, and, and the foundation really came when myself, Ben Gertels, which I mentioned before, and David Hansen, the founder of Anster Robotic, all came together in, in Hong Kong last year. And we all... And, you know, worked, you know, myself in more in the blockchain space. And then Ben really has been leading the AI development and, and research for a very long time. And David Anson, uh, having been founding uh, Anson Robotic, has been one of the most important entrepreneurs in, in the robotic space. And he is, of course, the creator of Sophia, which is the most humanoid robot in the world and uh, the most expressive um, as well, a man-like, uh, mankind uh, robot. And we've been working closely with the Answer Robotic team because we believe that not only robotics is going to be a, one of the most important application artificial intelligence in the space, but because Sophia it's herself, I should say, has been using uh, ROS, which is a robot operating system designed by the team. And so what SingularityNet really is, a general purpose version of that for, for many different verticals. And so the collaboration has been quite exciting. Sophia not only is going to be used uh, singularity net as a platform to derive her intelligence from but then it thanks to singularity net people from all around the world will be able to develop new capabilities new algorithm new intelligence to be deployed into sophia and the whole reason why david hansen uh, the dear friend designed um, sophia was because he believed that you know in order to be a fully Flag and develop uh, artificial intelligence. AI should really uh, embody human uh, and be able to participate in conversation and share the same emotional space with people. And so that we, you know, we could not only design those new AI with intelligence and, and data, but also having compassion and being able uh, to truly, you know, perceive life as we do. Uh, so that we, you know, machine and humans can really uh, co-evolve 
into a you know thriving future rather than being opposed to one another. So I think it's a beautiful vision and it very much inspired a lot of people. Most people that are inspired by Sophia, they don't really have an AI background necessarily. So I believe Sophia, she's, she's a great uh, icon on our day and age, not only for her ability to embody the, the, the future, but also for her ability to speak, in the, to speak the truth to people that are not necessarily tech geeks and, and so forth. So it's been an interesting relationship that Sophia and I and the old team had. And we're very grateful to being able to have, you know, use Sophia and work with Sophia, not only to ex- expand the scope of our artificial intelligence development, but most importantly, to raise the awareness for, for open AI, which is, which, is, which is quite important. Right. And one day I hope I can meet Sophia because I've only seen her on YouTube or, you know, some yeah. platform and I've written about her, but that that's very cool. And I think it's awesome that you're using blockchain technology to allow people anywhere in the world to help build Sophia. Right. Absolutely. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I think, first of all, I think Rachel, you, you and Sophia would go along just fine. Oh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> she's uh better experience than explain. I mean, she's the, the interaction with her are really quite, it is now at this point, Sophia, it's also uh, just on some early implementation. So most of her intelligence still needs to be designed and you know, she's running on different, a combination of actual conversational AI and then uh, some chat. But, but I think we'll, we'll see that evolving quite a lot. And uh, yeah, I believe that there could be no better way to, to describe such a, you know, an abstract concept such as blockchain and AI through the uh, lips of Sophia, yeah. uh, which is... She's not carbon based, and so it's uh, she's embodying like never before right. our architecture. Right. Well, that's that's really amazing. I'm blown away by everything. Um, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with our listeners on the Bad Crypto Podcast, or anything else you want to let us know before we sign off and head back to Block Show? I, I would say that. Definitely, uh, you know, check out you know our website singularnet.io. Join the community. Uh, we have some great news in store for this 2018. I think uh, I anticipate some to you before, but uh, we're really you know working uh, full time on making sure that only on the technology side we can support this vision. But most importantly, we're seeding this larger ecosystem. So I think we're we're going to announce some major things in the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so definitely join us there to stay updated. Join us for the quest of decentralizing AI, you know, one step at a time. It's, right. Are you guys doing an ICO? Did we already talk well, about so that? Well, so we actually, yeah, we already performed a token generation event at the end of December last okay. year. And now we're growing the community transnationally. We are announcing the collaboration with the new fund, Be A Call Soon. Um, so I, mean, I think we have a lot of, um, we're, we're going to work on another different initiative to support the greater ecosystem. Right. Um, so definitely stay tuned and, and join us on Telegram and and on the website. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, yeah. It's a truly remarkable podcast. You know, looking forward to be back. Thanks, Simone. And be sure to tell our listeners to stay bad. Oh, yeah. Stay bad and stay foolish. Yes. Told you it was going to be good.
Rachel manages to corner some of the brightest minds. And uh, thanks, Rachel, for being a bad crypto correspondent out there in the field doing the work. Now, as promised, we have a winner for two tickets to World Crypticon. This is the massive blockchain cryptocurrency event that's taking place at the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas, October 31st through November 2nd. And our winner for this week is Mr. Rich Arnold. Congratulations, Rich. The World Crypticon team will be in touch with you to get you registered for you and a friend to attend World Crypticon, courtesy of them and the Bad Crypto Podcast. You guys want to win? We're giving away two tickets every week to this event. If you want to check out the website, it's worldcrypticon.com. But if you want to win, you need to sign up for our newsletter. We just send one email a week with all the latest news from the Republic of Bad Cryptopia that you're going to want to know about anyway. Go to badco.in forward slash WCC. Badco.in forward slash WCC is how to enter to win. We pick a random name each week for two tickets. And uh, at the end of this, um, before the conference happens, they are going to give away two VIP tickets, which is going to include two all expense paid uh, to go to World Crypticon in Vegas. That's airfare, that's hotel, and VIP tickets for the event itself. But you can't win. If you're not on our newsletter list, that's what you got to do. Badco.in forward slash WCC. And Mr. Travis Wright, while he may be on the moon or some other location that is non-disclosed, every time you subscribe to our newsletter or subscribe to the podcast or review the podcast, it, it tickles him just a little bit. He laughs. He doesn't know why, but it, it happens. So go ahead, give Mr. Travis Wright a little tickle and make him smile wherever he is in the world. Uh, in, on the moon, can anybody hear you laugh? I don't even know. Mr. Travis, come back, buddy. That's it for this show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you guys. And until next time, you ready? Stay, say it with me. Stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.